This is 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Brought to you by RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers. Connect at CarrieCharles.com. And now, here's Carrie Charles. Today is a very special episode of 5G Talent Talk because I am coming to you virtually on a Zoom meeting. That is the way of the world right now. And we just so happen to have an expert today on remote work and remote leadership. COVID-19 has had a massive impact on the way teams and organizations do business with more employees working from home than ever before. Shifting to a work from home culture, especially during a time of crisis, brings its own unique challenges. Today, we're gonna be talking about how to lead manage and engage remote teams. Joining us from Brazil is Stefan Dorn. He helps remote leaders and their teams take their businesses to the next level without burning out. Stefan is also the co-founder of Radical Inclusion, a fully remote consulting and training firm, which supports remote teams on communication, collaboration, and leadership. His most recent project is nextstep.group. It's a support community for leaders that have been forced to go remote during the COVID-19 crisis. Stefan, welcome to 5G Talent Talks. Super excited to have you on the show today. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks for inviting me. So, Stefan, can you talk more about your company, Radical Inclusion? So, Radical Inclusion started off as a group of people wanting to experiment with a uh, virtual online conference in 2009. And we liked working together, so we started to explore what we could do, what we could offer. And at the time, um, remote or, or virtual work was, was really very much in the beginning. But we soon discovered that a lot of companies were reorganizing to have distributed teams. So they were reorganizing into matrices where all of a sudden people had to work across different offices. And we started to offer training how to do better um, meetings, how to lead uh, in this new distributed way. And it's become more and more of a, you know, how do you do remote work well? And now we're, we're working with, with remote and distributed teams to, to help them become high-performing teams. Mm. You know, we are living in very stressful times right now. How is this shift to remote work affecting employees, leaders, and companies globally? I think it's important to note that um, when companies move remote because of such a crisis, it's not uh, the same as when they move remote in, a, in, a, in normal times, right? So they would plan this out. They would probably follow a certain number of steps and do... Um, Say, for example, they start with a home office policy and then they allow certain employees to, to work remotely and then gradually they go more and more, uh, more and more flexible and more and more remote. Now, in this case, people have gone from zero to 100 in a day or a week. And on top of that, we're facing a situation where anxiety levels are high, where stress is really high, as you just said. So people are um, not on top of having to figure out how do I do this now, how do I work from home, and leaders having to figure out how do I actually make sure that my team continues to work, uh, produce well, work, um, do good work. I now have to deal with, um, is my family going to be safe? Am I going to be safe and, and healthy? 
um, how is this going to affect my job and, and all these kinds of uh, questions that come up as we as we as it's becoming more and more clear that this is not going to go away in a week or two. So you talk about how the success of remote work depends heavily on the company's leaders. So what should be expected as a virtual leader? I think there are two things. So one is what do I expect from the situation as a, as a leader, now being a remote or virtual leader, and what what should my people expect from me, right? So what I should what I should expect is you know, don't think this is going to go away in two weeks, as I said earlier. So we're probably looking at working in this fashion for for quite a while. Um, uh, at the same time, it's not something that you can sort of settle in easily. We will probably have to act rather agile um, and and respond to changes in in the situation rather promptly. Um, and the thing, think the second thing that you can expect is that your productivity is going to go of your team is going to go down in the short term, um, because they need to just adjust. Just they need to figure out how do I work now with with my colleagues? How do I do this? Um, and I think what what people will expect from their leaders is in this in it goes into. Um, you know, looking up to them and showing and role modeling in a way. So they expect to see, uh, to have somebody in their life that helps them to to be stable. You know, with all the craziness going on, they want to know that my my team leader or my executive knows what he's doing. Um, they want to know that they can count on you when it comes to having to be flexible because all of a sudden the kids are running around at home and I have to work at the same time, or or I need to take care of somebody. You know, maybe I have an, an um, elderly parent or or some an at-risk person uh, that depends on me now that I have to do shopping for, for example. So all of these kinds of things, I think people are looking for their leaders to show them how this how this can happen, and to um, and to be compassionate, I guess, with with the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, how do sh how should we behave as remote leaders? Um, yeah, you know your know the context of your people. I think is a is a big one. Know what they're going through and try and and you know if you are um, if you are a leader and you have a really complicated situation, it might be easier for you to understand somebody, some other parent or some other person who has to all of a sudden reorganize their work in a in a space where they don't have a proper office where people are asking them to do things all of a sudden because they're sitting in the living room or in or at the dining table um, but if you don't have that try and put yourself in the shoes of those people like if you're if you're working from home alone um, and you have no problem organizing yourself that doesn't mean that your your people don't don't have that challenge and then I think the second thing is is do they know how to do it so so figure out how you how to help them so they can get the right skills and the knowledge to actually make it work. I noticed that uh, you created an accountability model for mm -hmm. remote leaders, and I know that's crucial right now. Um, can you talk more about that? It's basically a model to um, to try and understand. So what I like to talk about in in these kinds of things is there are a lot of expectations coming up, and very often we leave it at that. We sort of maybe ask for expectations of people, but we don't really talk about what does that actually mean. And I think you need to take it a step further and make agreements with with your people. 
Um, so, um, and this and this model helps think that through. So, what is it? Um, it on the one hand, it thinks about it. It looks at permission and, and duties. So, are my in terms of permission, are my employees clear about what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do in terms of working hours, in terms of uh, times they have to they have to be um, there for for the company? Um, what decisions do I normally make as a as a manager? How do I now do them them remotely? Do I have the permission of my team to give them more responsibility, more autonomy, for example? And then in terms of duties, how clear am I? What to expect from them? Um, have I already discussed these expectations with my? So it's it's you making agreements. And then on the other side, we're looking at skills and motivations. Do my do are my employees competent enough to work remotely? Do they know how to use the basic tools that we need to to use now? What do they need to learn? And and figuring out how to help them get that knowledge. And then motivation. So. Um, as we are in a, in a in a really difficult situation, priorities shift, right? All of a sudden, maybe um, making sure that my kid is fine is more important than um, than finishing the deadline. And how do I deal with that in my team? Is that okay, or how do we do that together? You know, discussing that and making sure that there are there are solid agreements. So, Stefan, would you say that these agreements should be written down? And, and I know many people are already in the in the process of working remote. You know, they they're they've kind of got it set up already. But should they, if they haven't already, create agreements, have them written, and have like send them to employees, have them sign them? Like, what 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 are your thoughts there? I don't know if you need to sign them, and and there are certainly things that you need to decide at a company level. Um, you know what tools are allowed. There are there are uh, data privacy and data security uh, issues to be considered. There are uh, issues to be considered if it involves company systems as to you know how much can I abuse of connectivity of bandwidth that the company can can provide. Um, who has to actually work in the office to maintain certain services running like. Um, um, to maintain certain systems running, I have to have somebody in the office maybe because it can't be done remotely. Um, and that doesn't necessarily only apply to production. And so that's company level and that probably has to be formalized and and and, and written down at some, at some level. When it comes to the team level, I think it's not as necessary to necessarily have it formalized, but it might be good to have a document somewhere um, a work document on a shared folder, or if you're using some again, some online version to have it there where everybody, a, a OneNote or a Google Doc where everybody can access it. And where that you sort of create it together, I think is important because it has to reflect the needs and the situations of everybody involved. Otherwise it will not work. Mm. So how do you structure a virtual work day? Uh. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Just curious. Right. Um, I think it's it's th there. Are, I think there are three elements that are worthwhile looking at. And one is to create rituals throughout the day so that you actually work on connecting with each other beyond just the tasks that you have to work on. So something that works really well is to have uh, a, a check-in maybe first day in the first thing in the morning. Um, how is everybody? What's going on today? What are you going to work on? These kinds of questions can go a long way of everybody knowing where the others stand and what might, how my work might be affecting others. 
those are things if I'm sitting in the same office space that happen more or less naturally and virtually we're we're disconnected and isolated so if we don't do it explicitly it doesn't happen and then I think it's a good way to have some space could be an asynchronous tool for um, group chat for example where everybody's present where I can shoot quick messages where I can connect with people um, and um, so second and I think the third one is to really and that goes back to the team agreements or to agreements is to figure out what are we how are we communicating on what where so how do we going to which tools are we going to use for what so that you don't end up with somebody doing communicating about an, a proposal in email and somebody else thought this had to be in the group chat and it's posting comments there and all of a sudden you have everything all over the place so um, having a good agreement about where what happens where um, is is also I think really important and then you know the work day is the work day so I think it's worthwhile to have a check-in in the beginning of your of your work day or if you have a regular meeting to to have a check-in see how people are doing um, what's really important in virtual work or in remote work in general is to is to ensure that you uh, that, that you keep connecting with people um, above and beyond the tasks where virtual work pulls you always into into focus on tasks and we lose sort of the the, the the social connection and in this in in generally in remote work it's already disconnected and rather isolated but now it's even more because we're all on top of itself self isolated or forced isolated at our in our homes so so this check-in is re I think is really important yeah, go ahead. Yes, no, we have a check-in at 8 a.m. every day and then another check-in at 530. Mm. And then we have obviously a few Zoom calls throughout the day. So I, and it works very, very well. Um, let's talk about meetings. So mm -hmm. what should our meetings look like? Should they look any different? Uh, any other structures that you, sh that you recommend there? Should they be shorter? <laughs> <laughs> Well, one thing, one you know, quick tip that really works well um, is to schedule meetings either starting five or ten past the hour, or ending them five five or ten to the hour. So you actually have some time to to switch your brain to, into gear for the next meeting. So one of the one of the problems with virtual work is that you know nobody thinks about getting from one meeting to the next because it virtually doesn't take any time. But our brains don't function that fast, especially if it's, you know, meeting on uh, a HR policy and then meeting on uh, and having a one-on-one -on -one with your employee and then talking about what tool are we going to buy. Three different topics. You have to shift gears. It's really hard on the brain to do mm. that. So, so that's a big difference. And then I would, I would add that social check-in in every meeting. So how are, how are people? What's going on? Um, you can turn this into a ritual that goes, you know, takes five minutes to go around the room and ask quickly how people are. Doesn't cost you a lot of time, but it, it gains you a lot of connection, which builds trust and which helps you be much more effective. And helps people to express themselves as well during this difficult time yes. because they are isolated and that self-expression is important right now. And you have a technical check to see if people can hear and can be heard as well. If right. everybody gets to speak. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. So if you could just tell leaders one thing, remote leaders, one thing that they need to know to be successful, that they can take away from this, what would that be? 
it's connect with with your people beyond the work that they do with for you. Um, it, it it really is very important, even in non-crisis times, to keep up the the social connection. It happens more naturally in the face-to-face, -face, in the co-located environment, because you meet in the hallway, you end up walking to the to the meeting together, you have lunch together, and all these kinds of things. So you know what's going on in people's lives. And in the virtual world, if you don't do it explicitly, you don't know. So you lack social context of their lives. And that means that misunderstandings can escalate so much faster into conflict because, you know, somebody's grumpy, you don't know why, you think it's because of you, you react grumpy back and all of a sudden you have a conflict at your hands just because the person slept badly or the weather is bad on, that, on their side. Right. And you so didn't have, know. Right. <laughs> right. Thank God I live in Florida where it's it, the weather's good and it, it's definitely <laughs> yeah. nice to be in right. quarantine here in Tampa, Florida. Um, so let me ask you one more thing about that. So would you suggest that leaders connect in the way where they're sending out things like sending out emails or sending out texts uh, or that, I mean, some leaders have hundreds of people on their teams and you know, some have very many. So are you suggesting that there's individual connection where they actually call someone or have a, a Zoom meeting or FaceTime individually with each team member? Like what, what's effective? Well, if you have hundreds of reports, then one-on-one -on -one meetings are not effective. Um, if you can manage the, the most important people one-on-ones, that's, that's definitely really helpful. But you can think of different configurations, right? You can do um, small groups um, that change always. You can make ensure that people support each other. Um, so I, one, one client, they shared a practice with me that I, I thought, thought was really great is they, every Monday morning they have a weekly meeting and they started off by 15 minutes. They randomly assign three people in a small group and they talk about their weekend and then everybody comes into the main meeting and they have their 45 minute weekly start of the, of the week. And so every week you get to talk with two other people about their weekends, basically. Wow. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be the leader himself, but I think the leader has to be proactive in ensuring that that kind of connection happens. And if that means that he has to talk individually with, with certain people, then I would say take the time, especially in this in this period. I'm finding that our meetings are, are going longer than normal and mm. our Zoom calls are going longer than normal, our check-ins, all of it. And again, it's... Um, you know, because we're trying to maintain those connections. So how do you keep, you know, stay efficient, keep your meetings short so people can be productive, but also have the connection you need to have. So any ideas there? There's part of it. If you're realizing there's there, that people want more socializing, you can also take it out of the, the regular business meeting and have separate uh, meetings for it. So, you know, promote having lunch together um, in, a, in a call for once a week or, um, or, or end half an hour early one day and just have half an hour where people just hang out and, and talk about their, their day and how it's going with the, with the kids at home or uh, wh where they had to take their calls. <laughs> um, and <laughs> so, yeah, right? So, so um, I think it's a, it's a matter of just being creative about it, um, at one, po one part. And the second part is also that you might have to um, 
be directive in the sense of, you know, guys, we want to resolve this in this meeting. Can we have a second meeting where we talk about how, how people are, et cetera, and focus on our task right now, right? Mm. So sometimes the leader just also has to step in like that and, and put the task at hand in the, in the focus of people. Right. Now that's good advice. And I heard you laugh a little bit because you, we are now on a Zoom call recording <laughs> this. I'm usually in a studio with headphones and, you know, everything is completely different. <laughs> right now I'm in a Zoom call in my closet. And because it's the quietest in my house, I have four college kids here and they are just laid out all exactly. over the place. So I'm hiding in my closet on this call. Um, so uh, anyway, but but, you know, it's it's uh, it's where I needed to be. And I'm sure there's other people all over the exactly. world doing the same thing. Right. Exactly. I'm I'm in the basement. So. <laughs> OK, there you go. That's great. Um, so, Stefan, tell me more about nextstep.group. So this one emerged from, from two concerns, really. One was that the sudden move into remote work would sort of harm the, the cause, if you will, of remote work. So we, we are the people who are involved with me in this, in this initiative, we are all seeing that, that remote work is one of the big um, trends and it's one of the big things that will, will change the way we work. Um, but there is the risk that if it doesn't work now because people are forced into it, so they're, they're going to try it out and then they say, ah, this is all not working, we weren't productive, we didn't get anything done, um, that, it'll, that it'll harm um, the, the, the move towards more flexibilization because it does provide more freedom, it does provide a lot of benefits to people. You don't have to commute, for example. Um, and so this, and the second one is that that that's particularly big companies that are having a lot of trouble. You know, you know, they're they're not as agile and fast, so they're having trouble to to move to the to the next uh, to, to move into a new way of working. For small companies, they're really at risk of losing uh, of of going bankrupt, right? So if they don't make this work, they're going to go out of business. And so. There were several um, meetings and, and a couple of webinars where this idea came up. Actually, these all these experts that are out there, they should they should come together and do something and offer something. So that's what we did. Is we we pooled. I think we're now at 130 experts or so in a wow. um, in a group chat in a Slack space. And um, this week or next, we're going to open it for the companies who, who are struggling and who need help. So leaders who need, who need help figuring out how to do this, make this work with their teams or for their companies, company owners who don't really know how to, what to pay attention to. Are there any legal risks now? Uh, how do I do HR? How do I do the collaboration part of it? All these kinds of questions can be, can be asked there. Um, and so we're hoping that we are that we're helping people adjust faster into this new way of of doing things than they would otherwise. That's wonderful. So uh, two things: is the group uh, is it a free group? And secondly, could you spell? I know next step is spelled a little different. Can you spell <laughs> right. next step dot group? <laughs> All right. Uh, yes, it's free. Um, so it's it's really an, an a sort of emer an emergency offer, and then the experts are in there pro bono. Um, and next step is next EP, so N-E-X-T-E-P dot group. Um, okay. And you'll find a way to sign up there for this. If you're an expert, you're welcome to join as an expert. If you're somebody who's seeking help, sign up. There are two links on that on that landing page. 
Excellent. I encourage everyone to sign up for that. So, Stefan, where can you be reached? Where can we learn more about radical inclusion or just mm -hmm. chat with you, ask you questions? This has been so helpful. Thank sure. you. Um, I think the best way to reach me is, is to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, so my, my uh, handle is sdorn, S-D-O-H-R-N. Um, and Radical Inclusion, our website is radical-inclusion.com. So you can find the basic information there. There's also ways of getting in touch with us through that, through that, uh, through that website. I think those are the two uh, best ways to get in touch. Great. Stefan, thank you so much for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. Thanks for having me. It was great. And thank you for listening to this episode of 5G Talent Talk, brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff 5G Talent Solutions. We'd love to connect with you at kerrycharles.com or LinkedIn, and I will meet you on the next episode. You've been listening to 5G Talent Talk with Kerry Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions, brought to you by RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers. Connect with Kerry at kerrycharles.com. <laughs>